Before we get started today, I want to ask you a quick question. Are you looking to find more freedom and flexibility in your life with type 1 diabetes? Are you looking to increase your confidence and decrease your stress? If so, I want to invite you to join the Diabetes Psychologist membership. When you join, you'll get weekly sessions with me where we'll have master classes, diabetes and mental health question and answer sessions, and hot seat coaching sessions. You'll also get monthly behavioral challenges, a comprehensive resource library, and a private Facebook community. To learn more, go to thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash membership. That's thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash membership. And I can't wait for you to become a part of the Diabetes Psychologist membership community. And now, on to this episode of the Diabetes Psychologist podcast. Welcome to the Diabetes Psychologist podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman, and I invite you to join us as we talk candidly about the emotional challenges of living with type 1 diabetes. We'll give you actionable strategies to help you face these challenges head on, reduce your stress, and most importantly, live a full life without letting diabetes get in the way. Hey there, welcome to the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Kamen. My listeners are awesome, and you guys send me questions all the time about diabetes and mental health. And I want to make sure that I address these questions on the podcast. So this podcast episode is dedicated to answering your questions. I'm going to answer questions about how to make type 1 diabetes less annoying, how to deal with decision fatigue, how to trust your diabetes devices, and use automated insulin delivery more successfully, as well as a big question, does diabetes get any easier? So without further ado, here are your questions and my answers. This person asks, how can I make type 1 diabetes less annoying? It's a great question, and I wish that I had an easy answer for you. So I'm going to give you a couple of tips on a practical level, but also I want to give you a new way of thinking about diabetes that may help you as well. So the best way of making diabetes less annoying for you is to make sure that it doesn't get in your way. And how do you do that? Well, I think the best way is to do your best to keep your blood sugars in range. And there's a little bit of irony here because that takes some work. If you lean into your diabetes and make choices that can help you keep your blood sugars in a range, you're going to feel a lot better about it. You're not going to feel physically drained. You probably won't feel as emotionally drained. And things will just run a lot smoother in your life with diabetes. I promise you that. So how do you do that? Well, that involves making some choices. And I'm not going to tell you what choices to make. I don't really care what choices you make. But I want to make sure that you're empowered to make the best choices for yourself so that your blood sugars will be in range as much as possible. So for example, I try to eat a very low-carb breakfast. And there are some days when I would love to have pancakes and waffles, and nothing wrong with those. But what I find for myself is that when I eat a really high-carb breakfast, I have a hard time keeping my blood sugars in range. And diabetes is a lot more annoying for the rest of the day. It just happens that way. Also, most of the time, I try to follow the rule of small numbers, which means that the less insulin I take, the less of a chance my blood sugar will go high or low because I'm eating fewer carbs. 
fewer carbs in, less insulin in, less variability in my blood sugars. I also try to get as much sleep as possible, and I try to make sure my blood sugars are in range as much as possible when I go to sleep, because there's no better way to wake up with good blood sugars than to go to sleep with good blood sugars. Because when you're asleep, there are not a lot of variables going on there, and so you can keep your blood sugars in a good flat place most of the time. Now, there's tons of other tips and tricks that you can use to make sure your blood sugars stay in range and diabetes isn't so annoying. For example, using a CGM or a pump, if you have access to those technologies, can be really helpful. Also, making sure you have friends and family around you that can support you. We could talk all day long about all the things you can do to try to make diabetes less annoying. But I want to try a different tact here, one that you may not have thought of. That is, stop calling diabetes annoying. When you call something annoying, guess what it is? It's annoying. And it's really hard to break from that habit of that way of thinking. You call diabetes annoying or you call your little sister annoying and that's a label you put on that thing. It's almost like a permanent mark. So whenever you think about diabetes, you associate it with the word annoying. And that can be a hard cycle to break. It's hard to go from diabetes is so annoying to diabetes is kind of annoying to diabetes is neutral to maybe even diabetes is a superpower. That's a really hard transition to make if you label diabetes annoying in the first place. Now, I don't want you to lie to yourself and pretend like diabetes is all sunshine and roses all the time, because it's not. But your language matters here, and how you think about diabetes matters here. So start off by trying this. Instead of saying diabetes is so annoying, try saying diabetes is annoying sometimes. Because if it's annoying sometimes, that also means it's not annoying sometimes. Diabetes doesn't have the exclusive rights over that word annoying. Sometimes it is, and sometimes it isn't. Just like sometimes it's raining outside, and sometimes it's sunny. But the possibility of sun is still there, if it's sometimes. But all the time, by putting that label on it, it really kind of traps you and makes it hard to see outside of that annoyance. You can also try using another word one that's a little bit less emotionally charged than the word annoying. What about challenging or frustrating sometimes? Make sure you put that sometimes, that caveat there, so they're not getting trapped into saying that diabetes is challenging all the time or diabetes is frustrating all the time or diabetes can be hard to handle all the time. Making sure you're framing the language in a way that's accurate and truthful to what's actually happening for you in your life can be extremely helpful. And of course, be self-compassionate. You're gonna trip up sometimes. You're gonna call it annoying. You're gonna go down that rabbit hole of calling diabetes annoying and really believing that it's annoying all the time. And when that happens, just notice yourself doing it and bring yourself back. Don't be hard on yourself. Don't get upset with yourself. Just notice it, notice where it takes you, and bring yourself back and reframe what you just told yourself so you can be accurate to what's actually happening for you right now in your life with type 1 diabetes. This person asks, do you have any tips for combating decision fatigue with type 1 diabetes? First of all, let me say we all have decision fatigue. I read some research recently that said that a person with type 1 diabetes makes over 300 decisions a day about their diabetes management. 
Let that sink in for a minute. Three hundred decisions a day. You are constantly thinking and constantly juggling and constantly making decisions that could mean life or death on a daily basis. No wonder that's tiring. So if you're experiencing decision fatigue, know that you're normal and not alone. We all feel the same way sometimes. So how can you release the burden of decision fatigue in your life with type one diabetes? Well, here are a couple of tips. First of all, think about what decisions you have to make and what decisions you don't have to make. I know that sometimes we tend to think that we have to make all these decisions all the time, and sometimes that's true with diabetes. But sometimes we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to make decisions that aren't really necessary. So, for example, if you take your insulin pump off before you take a shower, and you're in the shower for ten minutes and you get out of the shower, is it necessary to give yourself insulin to make up for those ten minutes that you were in the shower? Well, maybe, but maybe not. Let's say you're in the shower for ten minutes and your basal rate is 0.5 units an hour. So you're at, we're talking less than 0.1 unit of missed basal. Is it really necessary to bolus for that? So taking some pressure off yourself and allowing yourself not to make certain decisions because their importance is so minor in the big scheme of your diabetes management can be a good first step. The second thing I would suggest is finding ways to streamline your decisions. So, for example, eat the same thing for breakfast every day, or maybe even the same three things for breakfast every day. And now you know, okay, when I eat my oatmeal, I take four units of insulin because it's forty-five grams of carbs. When I eat my yogurt, it's thirty grams of carbs, so I take three units of insulin. And when I have my chia seed pudding, that's twenty-five grams, so I take two point five units. Then, when you eat breakfast, that decision taken out of your hands. You don't have to make it anymore because it's already been made for you. Of course, if you have a correction to give or something like that, it makes it a little bit more complicated, but not that much. So use the tools you have, and one of those tools is consistency, knowing what will happen, and so the decision is made for you already. Then you can save the stress around decisions for the big things. So, for example, maybe you decide to have pancakes one morning for breakfast. Well, that will probably take a little bit more thinking. But worth it? I think so. Or if you can have ice cream, you want to make sure that you bolus right for that ice cream. Now, is the ice cream worth the calculation? I think so, and hopefully that reward will be worth the cost. Exercise is another great option here. You know that when you exercise after a thirty-minute run, you may need a little extra bolus afterwards. That decision is taken away from you because now you already know what you have to do. You have a playbook in mind, and when you follow that playbook. You know things will generally follow course. You want to make sure you're saving the decisions for the unusual situations or the situations where you're kind of in a tough spot where your blood sugar is high. You have to take a bolus, but even then, there's lots of tools you can use to help with your decision fatigue. So if you have a pump, being able to put in carbs into your pump and letting the pump make a decision for you, or if you're using an automated insulin delivery system like Control IQ or the Omnipod Five. Or the Medtronic 670G, you can let that pump even make even more decisions for you because it may even increase your basal rate. So using technology to your advantage there. If you don't use a pump, you can use a smart pen or even some apps that will help you to understand how much insulin you have on board and how much insulin it takes for the carbs that you're consuming. So use the tools you have, 
many of which are free to release you from the pressure of having to make so many decisions. Yes, decisions have to be made. But if they're made in advance because of a playbook you put into place beforehand, it makes it a whole lot easier. And then finally, if you're feeling overwhelmed with diabetes and you're feeling like you just can't take it anymore and can't make any decisions, choose one or two things. And I call these things the actions that matter. What are the big decisions you have to make to make sure you stay safe and make sure you stay healthy and make sure you stay feeling good? My guess is if you had to boil it down, you could find one or two things that really make the biggest difference. So for example, taking your long-acting insulin or pre-bolusing for meals are two good examples. If you do those things and nothing else, your blood sugars may not be perfect, but they'll be in much better shape than they would be if you didn't do those things. And so if you have to make decisions about pre-bolusing or about taking your long-acting insulin or bolusing for food or doing corrections, choose the big ticket items, the ones that will have the biggest impact and take a little bit of a break. Give yourself some time off from making all those minute decisions. And then once you're feeling more confident and have more energy, then dive back in. But the most important thing here is making sure you feel safe, making sure your blood sugars aren't going to go too high or too low. And once you're able to get that in range and have a playbook to follow to keep yourself safe, even when you feel overwhelmed, then that gives you some time and some breathing room to be able to step back and then step back in as soon as possible when you're feeling more prepared and when you're feeling less overwhelmed. This person asks, how do I trust a closed loop system? I'm thinking about moving from MDI to a closed loop system. I'm really worried I'm gonna have trouble letting go of control and trusting the system to do its job. It is a great question, and I get this question a lot from my patients, people who are not using a closed-loop system now, and they're thinking about going to one, but it really makes them nervous, because if there's one thing I know about people with diabetes, it's we like to be in control. Diabetes has taken away so much of the perception that we have that we're in control of our lives, that any time we feel like we're not in control, or that control is being taken from us even more, it makes us really anxious. And so this is one of the challenges that we have with closed-loop systems, You know, coming to the realization that some machine, an algorithm, is going to be adjusting your basal weights for you. It's going to be bolusing for you. It's going to be setting a target blood sugar number for it. That can all be a little bit unnerving. So what do you do about it? Well, the first thing I'd suggest is be honest with yourself about your concerns. Brushing them aside and pretending like they're not concerning for you will do you no good. And I would voice your concerns. Voice your concerns to your doctor, to your diabetes educator. Voice your concerns to the sales reps from these companies who are selling these devices. Now, trust me when I tell you that I use one of these devices and that it's been a game changer for me. It's been so helpful in managing my diabetes. But it took some getting used to. And so doing my research to understanding how the system works, what safeguards are in place, and how I can best use the system is so helpful. I also learned that when I try to take back control from the system and override the algorithm with my bolusing or my carb counting or other factors, it actually screws things up. 
It makes it so much more challenging to manage my blood sugars. But the system has to earn your trust. And I want to give you a couple of tips that you can use to help it earn your trust. The first is do your research and really try to understand how these systems were designed and how they work. By understanding the process they've gone through to design these systems and how the algorithms work, it can help you to be more comfortable in allowing the system to do its job. Well, how do you do this? You can go in and read all the pivotal trials, all those academic papers if you really want to, and try to understand the algorithms. But if you're like me, those things will just go over your head. And so I would encourage you to read information that the diabetes media has put out there, whether it's on Beyond Type 1 or Healthline or WebMD. They have all kinds of great information there that's not written from the point of view of these companies, but that's written from the point of view of people with diabetes who can really help you to understand what's going on and how these things work with language you can understand as well. I would also encourage you, since many of these products have been in the market for a while now, is to talk to folks who've used them and find out their experience, both how they got over the hump of trusting the system, but also what their experience has been using the systems. Have they had any problems? How have the blood sugars been? And how have the blood sugars improved? Because getting information from other people who've gone before you can be extremely helpful. Ask questions. Nothing wrong with asking questions to your doctor or diabetes educator or the pump companies themselves. They're there to answer your questions and to address your concerns and to make sure that you're feeling as comfortable as possible. But in the end, if you're thinking about using one of these systems, the best step you can take is to dive in and try and trust it. Allow yourself to feel that anxiety, but don't allow that anxiety to control how you act. Don't override the system for a little while and see what happens. See how your blood sugars are. Compare them. Look at your CGM data and see the differences it makes. Also notice how you feel and notice once you get over that hump of being nervous about letting go of control, how you feel emotionally. One thing I've noticed for myself and I've noticed in lots of people that I've worked with is that once you're able to allow the system to take control and do a lot of the work, a lot of that heavy lifting, their emotional burden gets so much easier. It's lifted. They're not constantly thinking about managing their diabetes every minute of the day. Certainly there are times when they have to think about it, but a lot of that heavy work is now being done by the system and by the algorithm. And you can't experience that from a theoretical level in your head. You have to experience it from being on the ground and using the system and seeing how it's different. Now, that doesn't mean that all these systems are right for you. And so make sure you talk to your doctor and educator to make sure that you're making the right decision for you and your diabetes management, as well as talk to your friends and family to make sure you're making the right decision for your personality and lifestyle. But if you decide to go with one of these systems, know that there may be a hump you have to get over in order to really trust it. But you can't trust something without testing it and seeing what happens and seeing what's possible for you when you trust it. Yes, it may be difficult, it may be challenging for a little while, but I think that if you try, your expectations will be blown out of the water. This person asks, does diabetes ever get any easier? And I can say without a doubt, the answer is yes. But it takes more than time. 
Certainly, as you get used to living with diabetes and the day-to-day tasks and the emotions and all that come along with diabetes, it does get easier. But it won't get easier unless you do one thing. Open yourself up to the possibility that it can get easier and that it will get easier. If you don't open yourself up to the possibility and allow the possibility to exist in your mind, it won't. If you dig in your heels and tell yourself, diabetes sucks and I'm going to wait for it to get easier, but I don't think it will, guess what? It simply won't get easier. But if you open yourself up to the possibility that diabetes could get easier and diabetes will get easier, then the possibility exists. And when there's possibility, anything is possible. But if you tell yourself it can't get easier or it's always going to be hard, you just made it that way. It's not going to change. So the answer is yes, diabetes can get easier, but you have to be asking the question and be open to the possibility that the answer to that question is yes. That does it for this episode of the Diabetes Psychologist podcast. If you enjoyed this Q&A, I want to invite you to join the Diabetes Psychologist membership. This membership gives you the tools, resources, and skills that you need to deal effectively with all the stress type 1 diabetes throws your way. We have live Q&A sessions with me where I answer your questions about diabetes and mental health in real time. We also have hot seat coaching sessions and masterclasses, behavioral challenges, and lots of ways that you can increase your skills to effectively navigate the stress of type 1 diabetes. To join us, go to www.thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash membership. That's www.thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash membership. And I can't wait to see you in the membership. Also, I love hearing from you guys. If you have questions for me that you want me to answer on future episodes of the podcast, please send them my way. You can DM me on Instagram at the diabetes psychologist or send me an email to mark at the diabetes And of course, be sure to tune in next Thursday for a brand new episode of the diabetes psychologist podcast. Remember, type 1 diabetes is not easy, but you can have an easier time with it. And I'll see you next week, same time, same place. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening. For more resources, you can visit www.thediabetespsychologist.com and be sure to sign up for the email list for access to exclusive content. I'm Dr. Mark Heyman, and tune in next time for the latest episode of the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. Podcast.